G'day, thanks so much for checking out our year-round carnival podcast. Each and every Monday, we give you the best information we possibly can from the weekend's racing via Vince Accardi's daily sectionals IVR platform. We haven't got any corporate bookmaker sponsorship because we are members-sponsored. Our loyal members keep us going. Today, our loyal members will get the top five, the Group 1 members will get the top five performances of the Melbourne Group 1 season. Always a terrific document going forward, and we thank them for their support. Now, let's check out Mary. Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. And Vince Accardi, it had to be Mr. Brightside by the Killers to be our track. Uh, audio of the three group, the big three group one races, there were four of course, but uh, courtesy of Sky Racing, Darren Flindell's calling. Good morning, mate. Good morning, good morning, and Mr. Brightside's a good name, and it was not a, a real big surprise, was it, with a big WTI, fantastic performance by the stable, and great performance by the horse. Absolutely. He, he got to come to play, and uh, so may as well uh, start with that Doncaster, seeing as how we, uh, we got the bit of the killer's track there. So <laughs> how do we break this race down? It, um, it ended up being a real three-way war between three horses, Two which we knew were wet track lovers. I'm Thunderstruck was just that tiny bit of a query on really deep, heavy tracks. So before we get into your thoughts on the race itself, uh, mindset-wise, going into the meeting on a Friday, there was there was even talk, talk it might be called, postponed today. Uh, by Sunday morning when we did our update, you're saying it won't be heavy 10, but it's it's heavy. How did the yeah. track actually play? Exactly. That's how it played, Ralphie. Heavy, heavy. There's no question to the 800 when I look through the numbers even if I take potentially one or two races away, we're well and truly around that 15 lengths below benchmark standard. So we were, I would say, we're between a heavy nine and a 10. They got it right in terms of what they felt the track condition was. So safe, but, you know, maybe Rose Hill, we saw probably 25, 30 outside that weird outlier meeting that was called off. That That's your heavy 10, but this yeah. wasn't far off it. No, and the beauty was this though, Ralphie. The significant improvement in the ground from the 400 to the finish mark was like 12 lengths. So 
this this made a big difference for a number of horses in the home straight. The actual track was an S five. Wow. So yeah. that's really significant, and, and I, I'd assume uh, not being there, not walking it. But this is the beauty of the helicopter view that your uh, your um, uh, IVR report provides. What that's saying is, last bit, best bit. That's probably where the drainage is, or, or the better drainage, and that's that, that's the proof that it is, does play better. Yeah. So what we got is to the eight hundred meter mark, we're on a heavy nine, heavy ten. Yep. From the six hundred, we were already in S six range to S seven at worst. Yep. And then the last 400, rock solid S5. I mean, you have a look at it. From the 200-metre point, it was minus 0.91. At the 400, minus 1.7. And at the 600, minus 5 versus minus 16. So you can see the big shift. Right. So that's, that tells you that horses were able to accelerate in the straight. And yep. we, we got and basically the cream rose to the top, didn't it? So let's have a look at that Doncaster. Lead speed doesn't look brutal to me at minus 13, even allowing for those conditions. How does it say to you? Well, of course, if we take the, the standard line is somewhere around that minus 16, 15, then they're running, if you're looking for a split conversion, they're running somewhere near benchmark, which is not brutal, but obviously a lot of energy distribution if you're in that lead pack through the first half of the race, you're, you're burning a lot of fuel given that the ground condition was the worst until you got inside that 600-metre mark. And really, your, your highest conviction for the, for the Doncaster, and people can listen back to the podcast, we don't uh, we don't hide anything on the Monday. We put, always put them up unedited. Um, your strongest conviction in this was that Forbidden Love was just too short in the market because it had come through soft-tempo races and the mile was the end of its distance range. So... She fought on really well. She's obviously a really honest mare, but plus two point two in the end. That that's that that showed that it just saw her out. It, yeah, it did. It saw her out, and we already knew that a I'm Thunderstruck had the capacity to go much higher. Ice Bath, if it could turn up, could run you know well and truly in that strong sort of three range. And Brightside was was, was borderline plus three horse and went to a new level. Yeah, let's break this down. So plus 4.1, second best of the day, of a very high-quality day, but minus 28.8 legs below benchmark without an adjustment. So yeah. that give, that really underlines. You've, you've dragged this up 32 legs. Yeah, and this is the, the – you've you run half the race on what I consider to be a H9, H10. There's, there's going to be pretty heavy penalties. And there's, of course, a little bit of softening because of that. Obviously, there was a little bit more precaution. So they weren't breakneck speed because if they were going breakneck, they probably would have gone, you, I would say, another six, seven lengths faster, and they didn't do that. So the adjustments were going to be big all, all day, Ralphie. <laughs> No doubt at all. In fact, I'll get to our members' question here. Our members get to ask questions on Sundays too. Um, just wondering, this is from Brett, uh, just wondering if you could do a deep dive into why I'm thunderstruck. Was it a conditioning blowout due to the soft tempo races that's had this prep, or did it not handle the heavy track as well as Mr. Brightside? When Thunderstruck put two lengths on Brightside on the turn, didn't think Mr. Brightside would have a more powerful 500-metre sprint. So fantastic question there, Vince. What's your, what's your reply? Yeah, it is a fantastic question. The... <laughs> The difference between the two at the 800 metre marks, that's the first point that I like to look at, is there was only three quarters of a length between them at that point. So in in a slight favour of Mr Brightside, but the move in the mid-race, this was probably the big significance. Now, 
there was a two-length bigger mid-race squeeze for I'm Thunderstruck, the Mr. Brightside. So that that's good, strong energy, getting on the better ground as well and really throwing it out there. And it's very visible, if you look, Ralph, between the six and the 400. You could see the actual impact. See, there's the eight to the four, the squeeze, but this is where the big impact is. Between the... Eight and the 600, both horses are travelling somewhere around, well, I'm Mr. Brightside, 6.3 lengths below benchmark. I'm Thunderstruck is travelling 6.6 lengths below benchmark. So there's nothing between them. But at that kick down between the six and the four, Mr. Brightside is accelerated by about four and a half lengths versus six and a half lengths. Then we go to the very last 200 metres, and I, I tend to think with the communication from one of our members, there's a lot of merit in what was said there, because you can see the blowout. Brightside actually improved its acceleration over the last 200 metres, and I'm Thunderstruck, had lost that acceleration, and the acceleration was conditioning blowout of around 1.8 lengths, and that's a lot to do with the big exertion at that point that I just mentioned. And the reality is... Both of them had very economical runs to that point. It was just one horse went a bit more at a given point. And I'm not, you can't knock Hugh Bowman. I I felt that he gave everything he had. And unfortunately, the horse just blew out late. And and really, the best jockeys put their horse into the race and don't wait till too late, too. (laughs) No, no, he did exactly what you should do. He's got an expectation. His horse would have been feeling fantastic at that point in time. And he asked for the supreme effort and probably tried to say, okay, it's my race, let's go. That uh, just didn't quite happen. Uh, a further point from Dave uh, is asked you, good work from Vince with a couple of gems plucked out on Saturday. My question revolves resolves around, I am thunderstruck in the improvement required from Mr. Brightside to close the IVR gap, so to speak. I've heard Vince perhaps discount weight in his discussions in the past, but the race just looked like a dead set case of the best horse not being able to get past the best weighted horse. Yeah, that's always an interesting point when you look at weights, of course, and I understand that. If I look at Mr. Brightside, and we look at the, you know, because we want to talk about weights, not something that I um, talk about. If we look at the run going in from Flemington, it was carrying 59, and obviously in this particular race, the weight the horse carried was 50 kilos. So, yeah, so if you want to look at it from that point of view, it's a nine kilo drop in weight. What, What does that all mean? Unfortunately, I can't look at it that way because the way I look at it is you have a look at what it did at Flemington when it produced its best performance ever and you you get probably some real clarity around that, Ralphie, about what its capability is and there it is for everyone to see. It was 4.7 in the Raws, 2.8. Un, you know, adjusted. You were talking about the Cantala last derby? Yeah. Yep. Had to make a, an improvement about of a length, length and a half. Did the nine kilos create that? I felt that it was probably a slightly more patient ride from one rider to the other, if you want to get right down into the nitty-gritties. And, yeah, maybe that that weight allowed the horse to uh, finish the way it did. I can't discount it completely. But the view, from my perspective, is first and foremost, I'm Thunderstruck, didn't quite get to the 5.3 range. Yep. And maybe one more run that gets there, I don't know. Well, here's an interesting one. We're going to do a preview podcast next week, but I'll just give you a little lick of the ice cream. They're talking about I'm Thunderstruck might back up next week. Now, if you're saying it actually tiny conditioning blowout late, he's going to peak rock-hard fitness on the quick backup. Has he got any 2004 in his profile? 
Yeah, well, well, a couple of things. I, I'm not. I'm not saying. Firstly, I should just say that we did touch on Saturday. I think that Mr. Brightside had a far superior wet track profile. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Than I'm thunderstruck. Yep. And I felt that that's also a big part of the overall outcome. Now, as far as you know, Saturday coming to two thousand metres, well, I guess we've got to look at a whole bunch of things. The competition. And, yeah, well, it comes back down to speed, doesn't it, Ralph? If they go slow, it's going to be one outcome. And if they go fast, it'll be a completely out, a different outcome. And there's nothing in the data that indicates that I'm Thunderstruck can't get 2,000. All right, that'll be a fascinating one to look at. And Animo and probably Duar and, oh, whatever. <laughs> this will be the race of the carnival. Can't wait. The derby itself, well, um, big, uh, big, you know, uh, emphasis on Hitotsu and its fighting qualities here. Just look at the Racing New South Wales website, the quote from John Allen. Uh, very good. This is the interesting one I want to put on the table to you, Vince, when you give us your breakdown. Uh, very good. He never handled the ground. He was very lethargic out of the gates today. I didn't want to boss him. He just left him alone, ended up getting a nice card up behind, forgot you. He travelled well enough without ever really getting through the ground well. I gave him a squeeze around the corner. He picked up and hit the front too soon. Just his toughness, he battled back and put them away again. What I find interesting, Vince, to put on the table to you, given you've described that the last 200 was the best part of the track, and John Allen said the horse never handled the ground, maybe the reason he fought back, apart from his obvious tenacity, that's obvious, was he actually got better better footing under underneath. Well, I guess that's all possible, but Jeez, I, 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 we've got to start with step one. Is this the best stable in the country? <laughs> well, so no, you know, I, I, I tweeted this out after the meeting. So I remember in 1995, you had to have a mel- run between the Caulfield Cup and the Melbourne Cup. You had to. Up until then, you had to. And Lee Freeman said, no, nah, no, nah, nah, no, you don't. I'm going to win it with Doremus without a run in between. And boom. Apparently, you had to have a, imports had to have a run. Joseph O'Brien with rekindling. No, you don't. And I remember you were very bullish about rekindling. What I'm saying is, it's a, just, just trust the best stables. Yep. And this stable said, we don't need to have a horse. Uh, we're having lots of runs before the derby. We can win it second up. And boom. Yeah. And, and the reason why I'm saying that is because you have a look at the 25 metre, 2,500 metre winner, Flemington, that was 0.4 above, third yep. up. And here it is, second up, going better than that. And yes. The ground conditions were a lot superior in the last 600 metres of this particular race on Saturday. They did go much slower. And John Allen, you've got to give him full credit. If He's understood that about the horse. He certainly made sure he conserved the energy because there is, he's going almost 28 lengths below benchmark. <laughs> he is inside the elastic band though, Ralphie. Yeah. He's seven, le- seven and a half lengths off that lead speed, lead speed so it's not so impossible. Six and a half. That's, yeah. So he's not he's not that far off him. Like he's in that zone and yeah. he's conserving the fuel, which is brilliant. And the move in the mid race was strong, about three seconds. But the training feet, Ralphie, that is unbelievable. And then the last two hundred meters, he outflanked every horse. He's run he's run above benchmark, and the only horse in that race to do it. And this is the clarity about. Uh, the ground condition in the home straight because Winks wouldn't be able to break benchmark on the heavy 20, let's say, at Rose Hill two weeks ago. But here it is, the sixth, 18th best last 200 of the day and broken benchmark last 200. That's a phenomenal end of 2,500, regardless of how slow the pace was. That's right. We, we always said that was going to be one of the advantages for the horse, but you had to have this horse in such a great condition. I don't know how the stable did it, Ralph, because it was superb, honestly. It was one of the best training feats I'd seen. Now, we did say... There's a big thing about class yes. and how much that was going to 
play a role, and that was why, from uh, having the horse in the most advantage, had to stay there because I'm a big believer of the class. It was just not a horse I could have participated on in terms of backing, but it came to the forefront because there was the horse that ran second, which is not a high-grade horse, and I actually had to throw it in for people that were doing multis because I just said, anything can happen. Yep. It, it's just going to get down to the class, and if the horse can deliver a second up and... I just got to come back to the stable. And the ride, well, well done to John Allen because he planned it superbly knowing that the horse wasn't travelling through the first half of the race. And here's the other part about the ride. Um, barrier four, but he wasn't he wasn't barrier four coming to the 600. He was scouting out in the best part of the track. Well, it so powerful. There he is, lane 13. We're getting in the quicker lanes and we're getting – we're not on a good track, but we're we're, you know, we're definitely around that S five range. What a what a great place to be because you're going to buy probably two or three lengths, Ralphie. So you, you've, you've picked him as a plus three horse to date. I'm, I'm talking very rough numbers, but plus one point one here in a derby. What type of upside do you think he's got? Because I mean, this is always the exciting spitball that we look at it the, for these type of young horses. You know, is he a potential cups horse? It's a big challenge still, isn't it? It's a, it is a massive challenge. I'm not sure if the horse is going to be brilliant enough to do that. It would be a completely different program. And a lot of Melbourne Cups go, you know, 20 lengths faster than that through the first half of the race. So it's, it's all about race shape. Yeah. When you have high pressure, a horse that looks like is going to be just sensational getting distance all of a sudden can't. And you just go back to the classic. And this is where I learned about how powerful class is. I go all the way back to Mahogany. Mahogany was, you know, one a major race, this distance range, because it was just such a high-class horse. But could it continue to deliver that under high performance? No. But in its own age group, yes. Right. So really, it's the confidence you have in this horse is miler 2,000, but the question has to remain about 2,400 in a, in a high-class, high-pressure race. The beauty is this. Off the first up-run last campaign versus this campaign, even if they had the horse more forward, all the indicators were this horse had come back better. So yep. the question was, how much better than plus three are you going to be? And there it was, came out and went plus 3.2. Didn't deliver that, but it, from my perspective, it was already half length better, one run short. So I'm fairly confident that what do we need? For a Caulfield Cup, you need to be able to run around that plus four, plus five range, but you get a different race shape. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe this horse grows matures, get stronger, and I'm taking nothing away from this stable. They can do a lot of things. <laughs> your, head, your head's rolling off about this stable. Isn't yeah, it? I love them. Fair enough, too. All right, uh, then talking about class, how's this bloke, Nature Strip, what an absolute beauty. So uh, as we uh, as we uh, no, well knew, uh, he, he's just a, a superstar. But was he a superstar on genuinely wet ground? Uh, we found out. Yeah. Oh, look. <laughs> It was never in doubt after that, was it? Got to the front, got through that first section. Obviously, very good for the horse. 5.7 lengths below benchmark. Doesn't have to travel anywhere. Only about 400 metres on the real wet ground, Ralphie. So there was no energy uh, busting open of, you know, burning a whole bunch of fuel. It was beautiful. And then in the mid-race, the move was only a couple of lengths and probably said goodnight to the field, Ralphie, at that point in time. 
one of our favourite uh, sayings about the outside barrier and how people think it's uh, our, our, if you're a form student, you know that it's a it's an advantage usually. And uh, if, you, if it's in the media, apparently it's a disadvantage. James McDonald here on the Racing New South Wales website. The barrier outside 11 allowed us to do what we wanted to. It was no concern whatsoever. If not, it was a blessing. He popped away the cleanest he's ever popped away and he was just on song. He really was, Rafi. And then when I look at the distribution on the day of the lanes and try and bring some clarity or further clarity, there he was. It was There was three horses that came from that sort of lane five. The rest of them took big advantages, getting out a lot wider. So that's another plus as well for the horse's performance, Ralphie. He's one, and this is where I love, I love so many aspects of this, but this is where I love deep diving. He's won the TJ Smith, the 1,200-metre sprint on the day, with the 60th best last 200 metres of the day. So he was he was spent, so was the rest of the field, and that once again shows how the best jockeys ride to the numbers. Yeah, and the other big thing is the horse also, you look at the sustained speed, the overall last 800 for the day was top six. Yep. Just shows how much you know capacity the horse has in terms of sustained energy. Not just about a big sprint, is it? It's about staying at a high velocity for as long as you can. And this horse is, we've, we've always known this horse has a, a, br- a brilliant 800 in him. And wow, I, I was, I was just, I just loved the way the horse was just too good for the field. And that was, that's what you probably expect to see. Such a good grand final trainer, Chris Waller. I mean, we were just talking about uh, Ma Eustace, the emerging super stable, but uh, what Chris Waller's done in the last 15 years, just phenomenal. Nash uh, Ruilla on Eduardo, his quote here. Uh, get, your, get your thoughts here. <laughs> Look, he, he ran super. I don't know whether I really did the right thing letting nature strip go. I felt in my guts it was the right thing by my horse. He's run his normal fantastic race. I said to the owners, the winner went five lengths better than the other on the day. That's all there is to it. Well, the horse, I reckon the horse ran a little bit flat, Ralphie. Eduardo? Yeah. And he, he had a booming trial leading in. Is there some chance that he let yeah. it out? Well, this is the thing. It was borderline winning trial. I, I might have touched on that in the podcast. And the reality was there was no spark in the end. It's not typical to be a length more energy conserving through the first section, another length in the mid-race. That's already two lengths. And then finish another three quarters of or length 1.3 lengths slower over the last 200 meters when you're having a more conservative run through each sections isn't a big sign that your horse is booming into the race it's a sign of flatness yeah that's 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 interesting another another angle of looking at, at the uh, at this caper uh, i just need to back the track up you said something about my uses or you didn't say something you said how phenomenal they were gary our our loyal uh supporter here hey ralph and vince appreciate the opportunity given to us listeners to pose questions thank you having witnessed hitotsu's incredible win on sunday I cannot overstate their training performance. The Ma Eustace camp have given some explanation of the methods of data gathering used in their training methods. I'm sure the use of data would warm the cockles of Vince's heart. My question is, what percentage of training is data-driven and what percentage is horsemanship? (laughs) Horsemanship. Well, I I feel the data will play a massive role, particularly if they're looking into how their aerobic state is because they're using the trackers when they're in training what that heart rate is, what the recovery is. Of course, the blood plays a big role. So they're, they're, they're very powerful tools for sure. And if you've got access to that, which obviously the stables do, and they're monitoring and they've got a whole history, they can get some tremendous insight. But the heart rate would be a massive one because what that does is it gives you huge insight about where your conditioning is. 
And uh, when it all boils down, Vince, your journey started watching Cyril Beachy with a clock in his head. Yep. <laughs> is that true? Oh, I love that. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. No, and, and we, we, uh, we're looking at the, at the measurement here, but we never underestimate the talent of the, uh, our fantastic elect trainers and jockeys. Let's have a look at Fireburn here. Well, the two-year-old leading in, it was very clear what we'd been saying all the way through this campaign, that nothing had really emerged until Fireburn did in the, in the Golden Slipper. She smashed him. She broke benchmark easily. But uh, on Saturday, yet again, under benchmark, but very, very powerful late. Third best last 200 metres of the day. And actually, the best last 1,200 of the day, too, showed that this is a real filly of sustained quality. Yeah, gee whiz. Like, you get through that first section, travelling 23 lengths below IVR benchmark. That is just massive, right? They're, they're travelling it at a speed virtually at of what the two hundred, the two thousand four hundred meter horses were travelling at, Ralphie, even slower in some cases. So, so they're all just angled out of the barrier. Oh, they've just crawled and made it a big eight hundred. And Fireburn, again, you know, we have to give big tick to Brenton Abdullah. He's seen that at the run before that got him victory in the Golden Slipper and the first horse to get into that two range. And here he was again. He just took his time, wasn't under no pressure, got. What, five lengths off that lead pack for the first 600 metres? Beautiful. And then the move in the mid-race, not an overextension because there was three or four other horses that really overextended between the eight and the 400. He did it. He was still very conservative in his extension between the eight and the 400 and left it all for the last 400 metres and just too, too good in the end. And, again, one of those few horses that won from, you know, close to the inside, it's borderline being in the lanes and... There's no doubt that if the horse was out another four or five, probably would have added another length to his performance. Great bit of theatre when he gave Tommy Berry a little drive-by as he went past. It's, it's hilarious. The, uh, I've got a theory, Vince, having, uh, you know, been privileged enough to work with the likes of Shane Crawford, that I reckon rovers and jockeys have to be actually a bit of a smart-ass. That's what makes them the best because they, oh, they love back it. their own talent and uh, under that circumstance, they're going to say, g'day, boys, <laughs> all the best. Yeah. And, and here's the beauty. Fireburn had proven as a two-year-old that can handle the heavy, well, handle heavy ground to a certain extent, had a plus 6.2, and actually added to that on the weekend with a plus 7.7. And she's extreme. It was another horse that had a good wet track profile. And, yeah, Jesus, trust Britain to be the way he was, eh? Just said, <laughs> yeah, here I am. Got to love it. Uh, a few of these are going to back up in the Sydney Cup. We'll do a deep dive in the Sydney Cup, but it's pretty obvious watching the, uh, the, the the chairmans there in race four that um, they're going pretty orderly and nothing made ground on the first two nights order and the bolter, Nerve Not Verve. But we knew from Nerve Not Verve following her in Melbourne, she was a benchmark horse and that's what she's been able to produce. That yeah, correct. And Knight's Orders, a horse that had a big wet track profile. If you go and have a look at its WTIs, very, very big. You know, lover of uh, real wet ground. And again, they got through a reasonably economical first half of the race, and then it was just a big... And this is the thing, when you have giant mid-race moves that are around that four seconds, it's so hard to make ground up, Ralphie, when you have that sort of action. That's probably one of the reasons why Knight's Order was still able to be there in the end. No, I'm not knocking... The horses around that mark, around that benchmark level, and and the winner the same. But it was in that strike zone, only three lengths off the leader through the first two thirds of the race. And then if you look at Luncey's, Luncey's was another four lengths behind Nerve, uh, the winner. Yeah, Nerve, not Verb. Yeah, 
Um, I'll, we'll round off the, this fantastic card at Randwick, uh, having a look at the uh, at the uh, Carbine Club, which uh, Chris Waller loves targeting the Carbine Club, be it, uh, be it Melbourne or Sydney. He won it with Fangirl. I thought this is a fantastic sprint to the eye, watching straight Aaron, and it was. Best last 400 metres and 200 metres of the day, but the context is, uh, when did the race actually start, Fitz? <laughs> was the invisible hurdles out? Wow. You know, like, how's this straight average trout? Probably one of the slowest runs through the first half of the race for the whole day. 33.6 lengths below benchmark. Meaning, wow. the, meaning the leader? Uh, yeah, well, and the leader, was that? Minus 28.8. I mean, that's just phenomenal. How they were just able to get out and just say, we do. We've got the hurdles out because that's, that's a genuine 10 lengths slower than barrier trial speed. Right. <laughs> so the move, move, move then starts the 800. So what's the context of that big type of sprint for straight, Aaron? Very, see, it's very hard to rubber stamp it when they do this because you've got to look for those little subtle moves in particular horses. What I tend to look at is, firstly, the proofs there. When you look at this horse's overall last thousand, it was the third best of the day because there was no pace. So it wasn't. I, I marked this as a race that was maximum eight hundred meters and six hundred, and all I could do is, okay, you would have had to have been at least the best performance of the last 200 to put any merit to the run. And, and it was, had the best last two and four. And if it didn't do that, then I would say very poor, really. And unfortunately, it's hard to get excited, Ralphie, because if, if you go another 10, 15 lengths faster, things look very different. Yeah, so it's so just something to learn, go, learn going yep. forward. Uh, we'll just round off with one at Bendigo here. Um Cherry Tortoni, two links above benchmark, ranked sixth of the day. This is what we wrote in Sizzlers. We like trying to break down uh, whether a horse is genuinely unlucky or whether, you know, just a bit of traffic and don't try and get overexcited. So it was a really good performance at Flemington. Ran to his best IVR figure to date in Blinkers first time. Yeah, clearly there was more to give. Minus 3.3 3 at the 800, went six lengths from the lead. No move in the mid-race was critical, going only minus 0.2. Actually lost the length from the 400-200 traffic before 2.3 last 200, which was the third best of the day as he crushed the line all too late. Hopefully with better tactics next time staying here or going to SA, should see him take a power of beating. And there he is. He's produced best of the day in the target race, Vince, at Bendigo. Yeah, beautiful, wasn't it? He's, he's, he's an up-and-coming trainer. Probably uh, if he gets more horses in the future, who knows where he's going to go, Paddy. But he's very good, isn't he, in terms of getting horses to come to the top. And, of course, they got to experiment. They did experiment over longer distances. And now they've probably got a bit of an understanding that this horse really goes superbly at this sort of distance range, 14, 1600. And that run, I would say borderline in the position. I mean, 8.2 lead speed. That, they're, they're moving, Ralphie. They're really moving through the first half of the race. And he's Trav Tr Cherry Tortoni's 1.6 lengths above benchmark. It's a big gap to give. The move was pretty big in the mid-race from plus 1.6 to plus 6.8. And as you can see, everybody was below benchmark last 400, uh, last 400 metres. But fitness, uninterrupted last 400 metres, made a big difference. And this horse has come right to its top and demonstrated that, well, this horse is still, could be still improving if they keep, you know, at this distance range and not get excited, this horse is better over longer.
All right. Um, the, the, we'll round that off with Bendigo. We'll uh, send the reports out. If you've got April Sizzlers, that, which was now launched for both uh, both Victoria and Sydney, you'll get the IVR reports. Vince, we've got a stack of queries here from our uh, our members. I won't break them all down individually. Uh, about Amelia's Jewel in WA. This is at Ascot. Yeah, and, and what what I might I'll write up a little thing for our members, but just as a as a little overview. So if you're a loyal member, we're going to look after you here. So she won the Caracatta race seven at Ascot on Saturday, yep, and uh, to the eye, it was just uh, your head rolled off watching it because she's come from uh, I think it looked like about eight lengths from the lead at the, at the home turn, and she just arrogantly smashed them. And uh, we've we've repeatedly said, certainly on dry ground, we haven't seen a big figure from a two year old on this side of the country uh, from this crop. Uh, is she is she exciting? Well, Ralphie, I've got the figures in front of me from yep. Saturday, and there it is. First section, 0.4 above benchmark. The lead speed was plus 6.6. 6, so there was they weren't they weren't going slow. Well, that's Golden Slipper dry track pace. Absol- absolutely, and then phenomenal in the mid race, gone from 0.4 to plus five. Last 400 metres, plus two and a half. And there it is, plus 1.6 overall, fourth best performance of the entire day. And I love it, obviously, when two-year-olds can get inside the top 10. And how many horses have struggled to break benchmark all year in the two-year-olds, Ralphie? There's been very few. I mean, we just talk about Fireburn performance was a plus two, the first horse to get into that range for the whole season. And On here we ground. are. Yep. And here we are, Miller's, Miller's Jewel's gone, plus 1.6. And... Big, big effort, big effort, because I love it when they can do that exertion and still have plenty of power late. The horse did lose 1.4 lengths between the four and the two as well, Ralph, so the figure could have been higher. That's fantastic. All right, so we've got a very, very serious two-year-old anywhere in the country. Can't wait to break down this week's, uh, well, what a phenomenal race the Queen Elizabeth's going to be, but also the Sydney Cup, the Queen of the Turf, uh, and just all these elite racing like the AJC Oaks as well. This week on the preview podcast of Year Round Carnival, you can get that via my website, racetrackralphie.com.au, events from now, and all events of Cardi's work by dailysectionals.com.au. 